0: This episode is brought to you by the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey, friends, Mina and I created the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge, and we're inviting you to take it with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most, because the truth is your purchasing power matters now more than ever. Head to shop one in five dot com to take the pledge. Make that commitment to shop one in five of your purchases towards a small business. We also invite you to shop the directory. If you don't know where to find other small businesses, it's right there on the page. And we're asking for you to share the pledge. Imagine if each of us told three to four people about the shop one in five pledge. It would be an incredible and life-changing for so many small businesses. Tell your friends, your family, and your social network. It costs nothing extra and makes a world of difference. Our purchases have the ability to change lives. Okay, let's jump in.
1: Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina
0: Kunlosita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based
1: business.
0: Well, hello friends around the world. This is going to be a really fun conversation amongst two podcasts and three product-based business coaches. So I'm Jacqueline Snyder and I have my co-host Mina on, and we are the co-hosts and co-founders of the Product Boss Podcast. And we're excited to be sitting here around this virtual round table with Therese Ottenblad. She is the founder of the Small Business Collaborative, and the host of Let's Talk Shop podcast over in the UK, in London. So hey, Therese, we're so excited to chat with you today.
2: Hey, I'm so happy to be here today. It's so exciting. We've been talking about this for a while, so it's great to finally make it happen. You did such a great introduction, but for those of you who are listening from the UK or who normally listens to my podcast The Product Boss is a podcast I actually followed before I started my business. So it's really amazing to be here today. And Jacqueline and Nina are great. They give so many tips. And really, even if you are based here in the UK and you sell mainly in the UK, they share so much valuable tips. So definitely recommend their podcast. Thank you,
0: and Thank same you. to you. And and so we you know we were going to actually do a podcast swap, which a lot of times podcasters do that. You'll hear us each on each other's podcasts. But we thought this might be a really fun, different type of podcast where we all sit down together and we discuss. We discuss product based businesses, things that are we see working right now all over the world. Maybe some things that we're seeing changing, um, especially over the course of twenty twenty and how the markets change. Therese, you are an expert with retail. Mina is an expert with Amazon and sort of the alternative way of selling. I definitely come from a more traditional sense like you from the wholesale background and perspective. We've had our own product businesses. I think this is going to be a really fantastic
1: conversation. Yes. Around the table and across the pond. (laughs) Is
2: that the saying? Yes. And a lot of different backgrounds, too, not both culturally and you know location wise let's 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 actually
0: start with that. since we're introducing ourselves to new audiences and new listeners, let's kind of go around and talk about our backgrounds for those of you that don't know us, and even we could discuss, you know, culture as well.
1: Mm-hmm. You want to okay. kick it off, Mina? Sure. Um, Hi, everybody. This is Mina. So I am, like Jacqueline said, her co-founder of The Product Boss and her co-host of The Product Boss podcast. We also co-founded the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge, which is a pledge and a commitment to shop 1 in 5 of your purchases from a small business. That really came from um, pandemic times but it's been amazing and wonderful and a great way for us to support our um, small businesses, our small product businesses, as well as, you know, impacting the the economy, even on a global level all the way to the u k. Um, I am located in Iowa, which is, you know, right smack in the middle of the the states, uh, right in the Midwest. Um, and my background is that I own low labels, which is a product business. We sell labels primarily for daycare schools, waterproof labels, and we sell on Walmart and Amazon. And it's funny because when Jacqueline first introduced us as, you know, it's gonna be three product coaches on here having a conversation. I was like, three. I've literally morphed us into one person. So, you know, we really are two sides of a brain here. I come from the more, you know, quote unquote, modern version of selling online e-commerce and um, third party selling, that sort of thing. And she comes from the traditional sense. And now we've gotten this other, you know, product boss, Therese, to really be, we, we have a full body going on over here, I feel like for co- product coaching.
0: And then Mina, real quick before, so culturally wise, Mm -hmm. let's talk about that Mm -hmm. because we're actually quite the global community right here on this podcast. So let's chat about that.
1: Yeah. So I'm actually Thai Dam, which has no country to it, but my uh, my parents immigrated here in 1975. Actually, my grandparents did. My dad was 19 and my mom was 18, but they were not married until they were here in the States for a while. So I'm Thai Dom, which is a mix of Thai Lao and Vietnamese. This has been kind of a fresh conversation with all the Stop Asian Hate movement here in the States um, and things happening around that and um, being and living in Iowa has been an experience for sure. So it's been, you know, I'm I'm pretty much the American dream when it comes to culturally what I could have done, you know, American dream in all sense of the word, you know, my parents would probably say I'm very Asian American. Whereas if I was more traditional, I'd probably be like married with my husband doing housework. Right. So, you know, American dream for sure. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's my background culturally.
0: Yeah, because you, you're, you're first-generation American. And yes, first-generation.
1: But born and raised in Storm Lake, Iowa, um, my parents actually were you know, in the war. My dad, there were refugees in a refugee camp. They came over in 1975 because T- tight on people were of the poorest that got mixed, poorest villages that got mixed up in the war. And they're brought over because of their agricultural knowledge, you know, hence Iowa, right? And so um, that has really you know, made me who I am, I think, because we are, you know, 1975 actually is a really early on movement of refugees coming to the States, you know, and immigrants. And so it's been, I don't know. It's just a culture that I think gets no awareness whatsoever because there's only a certain amount of people, you know, 10,000, 20,000, you know, and then it's a, it's a lost Almost a lost culture too, because it has its own language. And as we grow and the generations evolve, then it's like all the elders are kind of passing away, and and you know that's kind of where our story started.
0: And now you're the owner of two highly successful businesses, like you said, yeah, right, um, Teresa? Tell us your background.
2: So I come from a sales background. Career wise, first perhaps I start. I I strangely studied fashion and textile design in Italy. <laughs> and I thought I wanted to go into costume theater, clothing and that sort of thing. So I thought, where, what better place than London? So I moved to London and then I decided I didn't want to do that. And I thought I better get a real job and fell into sales. It wasn't what I thought I would be doing at all, but I loved it. So I've been selling all sorts of things. I spent a lot of time in publishing, selling books, but to non-traditional channels, so anything but a bookshop. And um, now I help small business owners grow their businesses but through selling to wholesale, so selling to retailers. And I'm loving it. It's It's, it's been, been two and a half years now, so it's been really, really good. And from a cultural point of view... It's a bit of a mix. I'm adopted from South Korea and I grew up in Sweden. So I grew up with a white family. I think it's worth mentioning because I guess we've had quite different upbringings because of that, because I don't really know my culture. Well, I know my Swedish culture, obviously, but I don't know my Korean roots that well. And uh, which is something I thought a lot about over the last what is it a week it's about a week now when we're recording the whole thing about Asian hate and stuff has really been like I mean in general thinking about my race is something I thought about a lot since last summer and uh, especially now so it's really interesting to hear how it's been with you guys and also maybe we can get into it a little bit later if that's affected retail where you are. Because I think
1: that would be really interesting. Yeah, that's a great discussion. Hey, here's a little fun fact though, Therese. So you know that my name, Mina... Mm. is from a, uh, I was named after a Swedish woman that worked with my mom in the factory. And so um, she, her name was Mina, obviously, and spelled exactly the same. And she was the first person that my mom said that was so helpful to her in the factory. Like, you know, that she was pregnant, really pregnant with me. She was so kind and so, you know, generous. She would help on the the line with her, things like that. And um, so, so much that she named me after her when she was pregnant. So oh, I'm, you know, got a little bit of Swedish in me too. I feel like, you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um,
1: that's, a, that. that's
0: amazing. Yeah. Um, So I'm Jacqueline. So that's my voice. And I am also first generation American, but we'll cut to my career first. So I went to school, I have my bachelor's in fine arts as a fashion designer. So similar to you, Teresa, I, was going to be a fashion designer. I am a fashion designer. Um, I worked for some big companies. I worked for an Italian lingerie company, but they were based out here in the US. Um, really was given a lot of opportunities at a really young age, hired out of school to basically come in and act as lead designer for fashion brands. Um, I worked with celebrity brands and whatnot. And then in my early 20s, I, as I was thinking about who I was going to work for next as a designer, I interviewed for Monique Lullier. I was working with... Um, Louis Verdad, who was one of the biggest designers in in Los Angeles at that time. um, I interviewed at BCBG. I was doing all the big places. And there was something calling me to... Like uh, working for smaller businesses. And so I actually started my own business, which is called Designer Consulting Co op. And so for the last 14 years, I've consulted and coached startup fashion, apparel, and accessory brands. So that's my background, right? As a designer, I would design for them, I would develop and produce their apparel. Um, I was basically a one stop shop for somebody who had an idea to make it. So after, you know, over a decade doing that, um, I also started my own accessories line back, hmm, I don't know. 2000-ish, 2010-ish, I don't remember, um, which was called Cuffs Couture, and that was a wearable wrist wallet it was when I used to still go out and dance. I didn't have children. I was, you know, young and fun. And I didn't want to take my purse and leave my purse at like, you know, the seat that we were sitting at, you know, when we wanted to dance. So I created this product. I sold it globally. A lot of celebrities wore it. Um, It ran its course. It was actually what brought Mina and I together because I was thinking about liquidating the product and contacted her because I met her in a Facebook group of fellow six-figure female entrepreneurs at the time. And she's like, you don't liquidate a product on Amazon, you grow a brand on Amazon. And that kind of kicked off her and my, you know, lifelong relationship as, and then we turned into the product boss and we we started this podcast and um all of our courses and whatnot. So that's my lead into I still have that business, but now I'm like Mina said, the co-founder of the product boss, the co-founder of the shop one and five pledge. Um and culturally, I'm first-generation American. So both of my parents immigrated. So my mom immigrated from London, close to where you are right now. My dad was actually a refugee from Morocco, went to Israel because I'm Jewish, and um, was raised in Israel and then immigrated here as well. And he's very entrepreneurial. And I basically learned what I learned about being able to turn nothing into something. And I think Mina and I, from that scrappy first-generation generation um, from immigrants moving to the States, we've really been able to figure out how to grow businesses from your living room ultimately. So, um, so that's where we're at. And so let's jump into talking to our product bosses.
1: Yeah. Let's yeah. Go. Okay. So everywhere around the world has been covered now. Yes, <laughs> Almost. <laughs> so I think it would be smart in a way to start with 2020. You know, I think that we've lived... A lifetime almost within that year. And we've really seen some shifts happening. And I think that um globally, you know, we've seen the shift happen. So I guess one of the biggest questions are is like what, you know, for both of you, what are you seeing has been some major shifts as far as us moving from 2020 into 2021?
2: I well, here in the UK, and I'm guessing in the US too, with your uh, because of your pledge and you know what I've seen on the internet. Um, shopping small has it's just been like a real, like such strong support for shopping small since the pandemic started. I I think that it had to do with a lot of things, but it, it really has been like a bit of a small business revolution, I think, over here too, because The businesses that did really, really well when lockdown first happened, we've had three lockdowns here in the UK, uh, three main ones. We have had local restrictions and stuff, but we've had three main lockdowns. And the first one happened basically a year ago now, this week. And uh, what happened was like the first two weeks, I think it was a bit of a nothing happened. And then it went really crazy people started shopping again and they wanted to support local businesses and small businesses so i uh, you know pro- product businesses that mainly had sold to shops i had a few on my podcast they all of a sudden had this thriving online biz- business they had they hadn't given much thought to before because they their main income was from selling to trade and i just thought that was so amazing i actually then jumped on into like sharing a lot of those stories on the podcast, and it was just really fun to see all these people taking this as an opportunity instead of seeing it as something negative. And um, that has been amazing. How's it been in America with that?
0: I think it's. I think it's very much the same. There was a lot of fear and when it first happened people were convinced that people weren't going to shop right there was that whole idea of shutdown what was going to happen people weren't going to shop but let me tell you when people are sitting at home and bored <laughs> um they were shopping they were trying to they were trying to get pleasure at home and then we saw a huge shift i think you know like you said there was there was the shutdown and then people were buying necessities right oh i can't go to the gym anymore and we saw people Trying to buy weight, like you could not buy weights to save your life here, like yeah. you know, to lift. Um, literally, no, same hair and office yeah. chairs, Yes. <laughs> and desks. I remember seeing someone like they're like, Yeah, I found this outside of somebody's house. And they were trying to find a, a school desk for children, like a, a, a shorter desk. So I think at first the the it was a turn to making it comfortable at home or filling needs that you had, because not everyone worked from home. Mina and I worked from home. Did you work from home at the time? Yeah. 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 So we all had an upper edge on, you know, Zoom and all the things we should have invested in in stocks. I feel like back then was Zoom and, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Shopify.
2: <laughs> Those were the two yeah. things.
0: Maybe i um, and, Ga- yeah. and GameStop. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think it was like that those necessities and and the same thing, people there were people whose entire businesses were built around in person um and retailers. So retailers weren't sure what to do because they physically had to close their doors and in person again. So our, what Mina and I did in the first month of lockdown is we created a a survival kit course bundle is what we called it, but we were like, you need to get online and start selling immediately. So I think one of the biggest shifts was, and it was years and years, and all of you listening, those of you who really did focus mainly on in-person, especially looking back at that year and realizing like there were so many reasons they always told us that they weren't going to stop doing in-person, even though they hated the travel and how early they had to get up and all the things. And then the the lockdown forced them to get online. And so we saw people starting to show up in video, selling through social media with access, creating Facebook groups, having FaceTime calls, taking their, their camera, you know, from their phone and showing what was in their, their retail shop or behind the scenes. And so I think the biggest shift, which is beautiful as people got online, they found an easier way of doing business. And they also um, decided to show their faces more to sell their product.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think right now we're seeing so many things happening as far as people feeling more hopeful and people uh, really looking for small businesses to support. One big thing that I'm really excited about is I think we're seeing a shift towards social change being done through purchasing power. So um, we saw that with Black Lives Matter, you know, in the States, we see that now with Stop Asian, Hate. there's lots of things that are changing, even with global um, uh, warming, right? The, being more conscious of the earth and things like that. Uh, one thing, one of the things that I'm really seeing is that what happened in 2020 is every, some seeds were planted, whether they were seeds of love or seeds of hate. And now we're seeing them start to sprout. And so what we're seeing is things start to sprout as far as like when the pandemic first hit, things saying like, you know, Kung flu and China virus. Well, now we're seeing those seeds sprout to now you know a global or you know at least in the states movement towards stopping asian hate because of the the hate that sprouted from there you know and people reacting to that and using their purchasing power and their entrepreneur ability and raising funds and and getting behind something and and really using their dollar in a real, more thoughtful way and i believe that truly came from 2020 you know people are still in that change of reflecting on who am i really as a business owner, as a consumer, as a person living in my house, when my whole world was disrupted, what does it look like now? And what are the things that I'm using my voice for? So that's one of the things that we're really seeing, I feel like, is people are starting to use their voice and people are listening. And there's things sprouting from things that were planted, you know, whether good or bad, you know, from 2020. And one of the most beautiful things is, uh, that sprouted from that is people unifying as well, you know, small businesses coming together, you know, um, allies of different people coming together, you know, just different versions of that are coming to light. And it's been a beautiful thing to watch too.
2: I've been loving following that. That has been the positive out of, Mm -hmm. there has been so much positivity out of this whole really terrible thing, I mean, yeah. all of it, I mean, just, you know, both black lives matter that that is even having to be a thing and Asian, stop Asian hate, hate having to be a thing. And the pandemic, obviously. But I just love how it's really rallied people together. And it, like you said, you, the whole thing that people are using their vo- voting power, they're working with their money. They The pandemic really showed people that that matters. I don't I think we almost lost that before. Mm -hmm. That we forgot that we can actually do something about it. So we were just shopping out of convenience almost. There wasn't a lot of us weren't shopping for, you know, what we want the future to be, but now we are. Agreed. Uh-huh. I think
0: it was, you know, and I, we talk about people talk about before the pandemic and when we get, when, when we get back to how that was, and I'm actually looking forward to the, the new way of life. Exactly what you said. I used to spend hours. I listen, I love target. I know you guys don't have, you don't have that in the UK. Nice. No, <laughs> lucky for you now. I mean, it's, you know, it's a big store. I'm I'm trying to think if there's any, what stores it would be like.
2: We don't have anything as big, but we do have stores that sell part of the kind of similar things. Yeah.
0: Would Boots be like that or is Boots more like a drugstore?
2: More like a drugstore. okay, But like more like Dunham or The Range or that that sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Basically, you can get anything you want that you need it's cheap uh it's on trend that kind of thing and you know there's there's the idea of going and people would just go and there's a starbucks there and people get coffee and walk around and buy things you know or there's discount shops and of people buying things and and i think that there's this consciousness now twofold one we understand our purchasing power so as consumers we're all consumers whether we own our own businesses we understand that our dollar matters it's our governments, your government, our government has done so many things to keep small businesses afloat. And then in return, the consumer can also keep those small businesses afloat by by purchasing from a small business. When you have that choice, if you're going to buy a candle, you buy a candle from a small business versus just going and getting one at the drugstore, for example. Um, If you're going to buy jewelry, could you support a small business that's making jewelry versus, you know, again, something... Cheaper, you know, we have HM and Zara, we have those companies across, you know, Topshop. So instead of buying from them. Um, and then the other side of what we started to talk about was the social justice movements. So if we weren't sitting at home last year in June, the Black Lives Matter uh, BIPOC support, the sitting down and actually paying attention to some of the horrors that were happening in the world, right? We were so busy moving so fast that, that, that to pay attention and to actually sit with it. Like you said, we were at home. Like I I mentioned, I'm Jewish. There's anti-Semitism all over the world. That is how it's been for my whole life and beyond. And then now with Asian hate and bringing forward that other thing of, of just realizing that people need to be kind to each other and same thing, right? I think we're still very early in this movement. There hasn't been the same reaction yet that we had to, um, BIPOC and Black Lives Matter. And then for us, we have very much supported and used our platform to raise BIPOC-owned businesses, um, Black voices and all that. And I think it's beautiful. I have two Asian women that I'm speaking to right now with two very, very different backgrounds, um, but also just the awareness there, right? That um, And then what's, what's going to happen moving forward. And I think slowly but surely, hopefully with all the hate, that is happening at the same time awareness of that us looking at it um and us being able to continue to use our purchasing power to support minority owned businesses right because they truly we're glo- we're global this conversation is global
1: right and i mean th- that's what i i mean this is truly a candid and you know open conversation and that's what it is is a conversation right i think we're all starting to talk about things more. And, you know, even as small businesses, I think we all have a self-doubt to us all the time. And I think, I think that it takes talking about it with our voices, you know, openly talking about it and then finding other people that understand it as well. You know, so when we're starting to see these changes is because people rally together, just like what you said, trees, right? You know, people rally together and they kind of take a minute to pause on everything. And I think as far as, you know, thinking about even on a global level and, and um, owning small businesses and impacting small businesses, it just takes one person. So with all of you out there that are, you know, unsure, or have self-doubt or, you know, don't feel like you're bigger, you're part of a bigger thing. You really are. Even when you think about, you know, you are contributing to your household, you know, really, even if you're selling something on, on Instagram, it seems silly and, you know, fleeting almost. But then when you think about the actual impact, the footprint that makes, you're contributing to your household that contributes to your local economy, this the schools, the roads, you know, that moves into the, you know, um, a national economy than the global economy. So all of it is just this really big ripple effect that we're starting to see that, you know, the small business really right now is is what is going to be, you know, when we come together, the thing that really leads us into this new future that was way better, honestly, than what it was before, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just people with more of awareness of that we were forced to change basically and take
0: care of each other and also yeah. female run businesses. Our audience is majority female is how's mm-hmm. your esteem? Yeah. How, so, so in the UK, so, cause that's another minority, right? Like we, there's an old stat, um, from Forbes that was like 2% of female run businesses make mm-hmm. it past a million dollars. And we're on a mission to change that. So in the UK, at least from what you know, how is the support for female run businesses? Is there
2: I think How is that? there is a real community, obviously, via social media. But I don't think there's much more outside of that. You know, I don't know necessarily if government... I hear very little about government bodies or, you know, different thing tags. Like, all these different things. There's not really a support network that we haven't built up ourselves, I think. I think women have been really... I mean, we we like to gather, don't we? Whether it's virtually or in person, but I think there is a lot of brilliant resources now to come together and support one another. I um, don't think that is coming from the top, as in like if the government was the top uh-huh. <laughs> uh, at the moment. But uh, but hopefully they will start listening more. And I think there were someone told me that seventy three product businesses start in the UK every single day at the moment, which is amazing. And um, and a lot of them are female-led. I, I bet that is a lot more than the 2%, I think.
0: Yeah, at least where we're going to be a few years from now, right? With yeah. hitting that million-dollar business and beyond.
1: Um, is there, I feel like this is a silly question, is there the... Kind of the that wage gap of um, you know women making eighty cents to the dollar of a man over there in the UK, or is it more? You know, the, is the gap closed?
2: No, I think it's very much. <laughs> and I think it's like, <laughs> and unfortunately, I think that women not always they don't always get taken serious when they start their businesses. I certainly have had clients whose husbands think that that's your hobby. You know, mm, yeah, and, and it's hard to be taken serious sometimes as a woman. I, a lot of women, one thing that I noticed with a lot of people in my community, my Facebook group and stuff, people don't put on their Facebook profile that they are a business owner because they're really mm. worried about what other people around them are going to think. I don't know if it's a similar thing in your communities, but but people don't take women seriously enough, and I, I think. think I think women don't sometimes. I mean,
0: you're right. If if a woman starts making something from home, someone's probably like, oh, that's a nice hobby. Mm. If a man started making something from home, I'm, I know this sounds like a big assumption, but do people start to say, oh, that's a hobby or that's a business if they're both selling, yeah. right? Oh,
1: mm. 100%. They're more like good for you when it's a woman and then when it's a man in your garage. Yeah. Yeah, When a man is making furniture or something and selling it, they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. What a great startup story, you know? Yeah, So it is definitely just, you know, perception of that definitely needs to change. And I think that that really leads, you know, I, I think women play a part in that as well. Because yeah. women definitely can raise each other up in a way too. And um, I think that's definitely changing um, globally as well. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, it's interesting in, Interesting to see that because I think it's kind of nice actually hearing that too, in a way, you know, that it's not just the United States. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, So I we all have to deal everywhere. with it. <laughs> um, I don't know. Sweden obviously is quite forward when it comes to gender. I was gonna say if we were talking about Sweden it'd be a whole other conversation <laughs> right but they have put things in place although I'd, I'd never been a business owner in Sweden so I don't mm. actually know how different it is in actual uh-huh. real life of course on paper it might be very different mm-hmm. yeah. you know it might be more equal in the views of other people but actually living it I don't know
0: and I will say, I think all three of us are on a mission to change that because, and so all of you listening that haven't defined yourself as a business owner, if you ha- make something or have something and you sell it in exchange for money, you own a business. So my friends, you're a business owner, right? If yes. there is an exchange of money, yeah, right? you you are in business if you have to pay taxes on that and hopefully you're all you know up on the up and up um that's business so i think that's something that we've really been about i know you said you followed our podcast for a while is this collaboration over competition women Mm -hmm. supporting women now listen we're speaking very specifically to that but again we talked about minorities it it crosses genders right Mm -hmm. it's it's we're not Trying to be so specific, but 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 from our perspective, from our lived experience, this is what we what we know and this is what we're able to chat about. So for all of you that haven't said that, like Therese said, add. Owner, co-founder, designer, um, creative visionary, add some sort of title, take ownership, boss, take ownership of what you've created because you're, I say it all the time, but you're courageous as we look around. Not everyone starts their own businesses. Not everyone has that courage to put themselves out there in that way. So um, I'd love for you all to take that away from this episode.
2: Absolutely. And I love how you say your product bosses, because I think we don't, as women, we don't do ourselves any favors. I'm sorry if you guys have a different opinion, but I, I think that there's a lot of girl bosses and you know, like people's putting like odd gender, mom, and these sort of titles instead of actually being a boss or just being a business owner. I think we're not always helping ourselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. I think, you know, that's something that's changing, which has been so great too, because, you know, how we, how we frame it up is a lot of times how people see it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so um, that's been something we've been seeing in our community and, and and like I said, it only just takes one person. in our case, it took two people and we're changing a lot of things about perceptions of what people have for themselves as well as you know how they could help each other. and it's been amazing to see I mean look at this whole new world of you know us three being around the world and being on a podcast episode together and, and speaking so um, freely as well as like really, placing in, like we're planting our own seeds right now, right? We're planting our own seeds right now. And so it's really nice to see like people using their voices more and um, and what that could evolve into, you know, just four years ago, Jack and I were just two ordinary people in our own worlds that didn't even know each other, you know? So women really have the ability, you know, to impact each other, even when just, you know, one or two people meet up with each other. Okay. So what types of questions do you think that we could help our, or tips that we could give our audiences about perhaps starting a business, (laughs) growing their business? Um, I don't know. Um,
2: I, I was thinking about the difference between selling in America and selling here and what we can learn from each other. Because okay. here, people are so reserved about selling, whereas in America, it is very much you build your dream. And I love that, but here, people don't really dare to do that. So it would be interesting to talk a little bit how selling is different, I thought.
0: Um, I'd um, love to hear what we can laugh about.
1: I was going to laugh about what's so funny is that she said, um, I think people are just more lovely over there as far as like when they think (laughs) about things. Because, okay, here's another fun fact. Since I'm throwing out fun facts today, um, they're going to switch all of the voices in the airports to be a British accent because it calms people. Right.
2: Really? So like in America, the, uh, American, <laughs> American, American is very aggressive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. American airports are going to have the accent. Just like if you have um, Siri on your iPhone and stuff, you can change it to a different accent. Or Mine's whatever. Australian on my Siri. It disarms people. <laughs> it's so it disarms people when you have that. Right. So when you're thinking about selling, one of the pointers that I have for all of you out there is that you have to really, you know, whatever accent, this is not to say use a British accent. This is to say that no matter what, it's the same thing. But in order to disarm people without the accent, you have to give value and sell, not give value then sell. And I think selling has that dirty connotation or or whatever Mm -hmm. to the aggressiveness or whatever it is, but it's not, you know, people, lots of times people in exchange for a value of some sort, they want to support you. They want to buy from you. They want to, you know, um, be more thoughtful with their dollar and you are just providing a product to them in exchange for that. And so you have to remember, remember that that is the, the scenario that's happening, you know, not that you're selling them like a, used car salesmen or something
2: well, you're not forcing them to buy anything <laughs> it's not like you're running after them but being like have you have to buy this you are just telling them about all the positives we're buying from you, and we don't have to hide that we're doing that because people want to hear that story so tell me, cause
0: my, you know, my family is half British. So I, I had a very loud half of my family, which comes from like the markets or the shooks in like Morocco, where there's like, they haggle with you. It's like you, right? no, no, I'm not going to pay you $5. Like, oh, come back lady. Like I'll sell it to you for $3. You know, like that's one in half that of case, my they are indeed running after <laughs> that's you. That's one half. That's like my sales side. <laughs> and then I have my mom's side or my mom's side. And you know, they're very reserved. My mom, my my mom sells stuff. She's a product business. She sells on Etsy, but she's very reserved. She's not comfortable with that selling, but there's also the, you know, my grandma, if there's a sensitive subject, so British, she's like, what color are the walls? Like that's how she (laughs) changes the subject. So obviously there's, it's culturally different everywhere. And amongst all of us, right? we all have different cultures we're bringing, but let's talk about the UK then what you're seeing in terms of um, how people sell, because also for all of us, our listeners that are global, if they want to get into the UK market, they probably mm-hmm. also have to have an awareness of the culture.
2: Yeah, I think it's a very like don't show that you're selling kind of attitude sometimes. I wish that would, we would learn a little bit, you know, be a bit more pushy sometimes. Not pushy, but more open about that we're actually selling something. But it is very much, you know, a conversation which is lovely, but it's, it is just lovely <laughs> a lot of times. We're so polite and we're so nice to each other, whereas sometimes someone just needs a small, gentle push to, you know, if they're open to it. Um, I think that uh, we can, here for in the UK, for example, it's very much, you know, if you introduce yourself to a retailer, it's, you know a lot of retailers nowadays they don't even want you to phone call call them or phone them some of them even say on their websites that they don't want you to walk it called walk into the shop I know that's hard right now because we're not allowed to right now but but normally whereas actually when you do it it works so so it's we're always almost always holding back a little bit and I think. Almost everyone, I would say probably 80 or 90 percent of the people I work with or that take a course of mine. everyone says they're not comfortable selling. they're not they don't like selling, but everyone's doing it. you know otherwise we wouldn't have businesses. So I, I think that there's no you know I, I think a little bit of a more confidence of the fact that it's okay to sell it would be really, really useful over here.
0: Mm -hmm. And what I hear you saying too, is that it's obviously being aware of like the cultural norms and being more polite and, Mm -hmm. and, but, but the zig and the zag, right? So while you could follow what everyone says and don't come in, if you, it feels like probably the risk takers are going to be outside the norm and actually might get attention. If you're still Mm -hmm. polite, if you're still offering, like you said, value, if you know that your product would be exceptional in their store, that their customers would want it. So I think when people are thinking, and this isn't the States as well. If you're thinking about approaching, we say that a cold call should never be cold. It should be warm on your side. So if you go to a store and you're going to approach them, it's the idea of why would they need your product? Why would their customer need your product? Connect the dots for them. Mm -hmm. And then it's as if your product's helping them right? Yeah. Versus them helping you. You're like, I have yeah. this. And, you know, I sell to a lot of people in this town, or I see that you're missing this on your shelves and we have this great response. So I think it's exactly what Mina said initially with value, whether the value goes to your, like, what type of customer? Is it the buyer or mm-hmm. is it direct to consumer? If you are offering the value of how it makes their lives better or will bring them money, for example, mm-hmm. um, then then it's an easier yes.
1: Yeah, for sure. I love that. For sure. I think it's a cultural thing. I think I always grew up not being able to ask questions. Literally, we weren't allowed to ask questions. So for me, it was it was very hard for for my personality in order to feel like I was selling. And I think I had to reframe it in my own mind. So for me, it was more like, okay, here's some suggestions. And so instead of selling, like, you know, it's not a hard sell, it's here's some suggestions on what I could give you. Because most people are looking for something and you're just helping them in what they need. Also, I love, um, I'm glad that Jacqueline brought up um, that it should never be cold. It should be warm. Because you certainly, I mean, we have signs all around here that are like no solicitation, right? Mm. So you could go in there and just... It's it's really like you're meeting those store owners needs. You know, you could go in there, obviously having done research. So, you know, that it's something that you're solving a problem for them and you could set up a appointment with them, for example, to come back. You know, it doesn't have to be like you're entering that store and you have Mm. a jacket full of watches and you open up (laughs) your trench coat and you're like, which one do you want? You know, you have to reframe it for yourself and that it is truly a relationship and you would never do that. In normal circumstances, you know, to be lovely or not to be lovely, you know, but, uh, but always like I think that when you give somebody a recommendation or a suggestion, you start attracting that person and you start repelling that person. And those people, you can kind of gauge, ooh, they're attracted to this, or hey, not their vibe, not their thing. They, they don't want that right now. And then you do not chase those people. You know, like yeah, you let them walk away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and also why invest time in that? Invest time yeah. in the ones that are interested. I love yeah. how you say that selling is basically helping someone because that's something I say all the time. That it yeah. is about helping each other, each other as well. But you know, you when you go into a retailer, you really need to know how you can help them. Yeah. And that's whether you do it by email or by phone and I guess you're selling directly to the end consumer as well. We yeah. Do that on Instagram instead or on our email marketing or on the, our product descriptions or, you know, whatever yeah. way we can do it.
1: For sure. And I think it comes back to what you were saying before, Teresa, about taking ownership of being a product business, you know, of being a owner of your business, then you come from it from a confident standpoint, you're reframing it like, you know, you are a business, right? And then they hear it differently than instead, like you're peddling goods and it's really you are just some person off the street, for example, you know? So I think it takes a little bit of self development in order to get to that because people will will always say I don't love to sell. Well, you're not selling, you're a business owner that's providing serv- you know services or goods and you're offering it to people. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like your job is just to sell. Your job is many things, but you have to first take ownership of that. You know, I own a business and 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 people want that from me.
0: Yeah. I think it's very much about relationships. If everyone thinks about, if you're thinking about direct to consumer, what relationship do you have with your customer? Speak to somebody specifically when you're showing up online and creating a relationship with your audience, right? When they actually interact with you and you have those customer service conversations, each person, it's a relationship. I know it feels, I think pre-pandemic we were talking about it, everything got so big. People, the relationships weren't, we didn't, relationships were starting to feel like they didn't matter. We were disconnecting a bit from people. We were trying mm-hmm. to be bigger and broadcast to more, and it wasn't about these individuals. And I think another big thing is, my husband talked about this actually a few days ago. Um, one of our product bosses, it's um, clean and dirty. She's uh, She sells face creams. She's amazing. And she gives you all this information. And if you ask questions about, if you DM her on Instagram, she'll tell you what you need to know. He, on the other hand though, found this one um, product or skincare line for men. He was really into it. He really wanted to buy it, but he had some questions and he DM'd them radio silence no response. They're kind of a bigger company, but I don't think they have more than a hundred thousand followers, but they're not in their DMs for customer relationship management. So he was like, well, you've lost my business. And now he also is buying the same skincare that I'm buying from clean and dirty, for example. Um, So I think that there's something really important here to realize people needed stuff. People need information. They need, they have a relationship. We aren't able to walk into as many stores anymore and talk to the person at the sales counter. So, how can you do that virtually? And I think the same goes with retailers, it's a relationship. Because if you make them money and they make you money, entire businesses are built off of relationships between the buyer and and the brand. Um, and so it's the same thing, right? Because the whole idea here is lovely isn't going to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. Quiet's not going to pay the bills. None of this is going to pay the bills and we're all in business to pay the bills.
1: Yeah. Right. And it's perfectly fine to sell. You can still be lovely and sell things. You can yeah. still be kind and quiet and sell things. You, you have to get that out of your head that it's one or the other. Um, one of the sales tech, um, not sales techniques, but I wanted to just give a story too. I I recently bought Bodewell Skin. It's a skincare line as well for people who have eczema and psoriasis. It's, um, psoriasis is like an autoimmune um, skin condition. And so I tagged them, say, doing the unboxing. Um, I tagged them doing the unboxing on Instagram and they actually DM'd me back telling me a tip. And they were like, make sure you apply. Um, I, I forget what they said, twice a day or something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, thanks for the tip. I'll let you know how it goes. And it felt like, you know, that it wasn't just like I tagged them, they reposted and and that was it. It was literally that they DM'd me a tip And I felt like I was seen a bit more and it was, um, it was just that little tiny bit of time. And I mean, you could put that into a canned response, even if you really needed to for a bigger business.
2: And what a way to build loyalty. Yeah, exactly. You you feeling that scene, it's amazing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's well, good, I have a question to customers.
0: and it's, it's kind of going off of that. I, and so it's a question for you, Therese, Is what do you see happening for product entrepreneurs for product based businesses for 2021 and moving forward? What are some trends that you think we can talk about um, for people to be aware of or, or big shifts or changes?
2: I think one shift that is going to happen is that big businesses are going to have Of course, when we say big here in the UK, a big business has hundreds of stores. In the US, if we're talking big business, they have thousands. But I think that one thing that are going to happen is that, you know, the big guys, they've seen how well the smaller guys has done during the pandemic. And they haven't done very well. They haven't moved quickly enough. They haven't been agile enough they haven't responded to important issues that people are caring about enough. So I think that the one way they're going to be able to do that is probably by trying to kind of get a little bit of that small business magic by bringing more smaller businesses into their ranges and talking about them differently, doing, I don't know, small business Highlights on their blogs or whatever it might be, or maybe doing something in store with their point of sales or their shop windows. They're going to have to do something to be more interesting because, to be honest, they're a bit boring now. <laughs> I mean, it totally. obviously has a place. I would love to go, like, but know, it's I'm also like Marks and Spencers, home, so, yeah. right? Would
0: you say the same about Marks and Spencers? Because it's not individual brands, but it's rather the whole.
2: Yeah, and they just need – they lost their personality. They don't know what they are right now, and they're definitely not what, you know, people care about right now. So they need to do something about that. And I I think that's going to open up opportunities for small businesses that can meet their demands. Um, So I think that, you know, people – if that's your aspirations as a brand owner – I think you can work towards that and make sure that you're ready for that and pitch for that.
0: I agree. We're seeing that in press too. Like some of the major um, morning shows here that are, you know, national morning shows, they've really been leaning into the small business story. Mm -hmm. Here's what I want to tip for everybody. Okay. Trends go in and trends go out. And unfortunately small big business sees small business as probably a trend right now until it's not, right? We all cycle. It's cyclical. Mm. So what I do want to say too, is that it's our opportunity right now to really, you you all could catapult and black, like it might take years to get the momentum that you could get right now in a much shorter amount of time because of the awareness and attention to small business. So if this is something you want to do, I would say that this year, 2021 especially, is the time to go in and take those opportunities because that could be the thing that then sets you up year over year to be recognized Mm. and to get your foot in the door now
2: because with a lot of these big retailers it is about getting your foot in so if you can then prove yourself as a reliable supplier there's no and you continue to innovate and come up with new products there's no reason why they wouldn't want to continue to do business with you even if trends move on unfortunately you know a moment is now like you said i really believe that too
1: yeah, for sure. I think one of the things as far as, you know, talking about trends, I think we're going to see um, a lot more of a blend. There's going to be a blend of offline with online, for example, online stores, you know, low labels, for example, sells only online, but I could go to our local you know brick and mortar for example and do a collaboration with them or if you're a local brick and mortar you know maybe people order online you do curbside so there's going to be a blend of lifestyle of how people interact with small businesses i think the other one is is what you guys were saying right um, this blend of big and small so for example, for um, I forget what it was for. Oh, it was Black History Month. Um, going off of, you know, Black Lives Matter being a really big deal and pushing into this year still being a really big deal. But for Black History Month, I saw I think it was FedEx that um sent uh, some of its um, small business vendors a big giant box with a whole bunch of small businesses in there. And they were all black owned. And it was so cool to see that, right? So FedEx actually put themselves in the limelight or the spotlight with the small businesses, you know, because they were able to facilitate things that those small businesses would never be able to do alone, you know? And so I think that that's really cool. Like what you were saying this, you know, the big businesses getting in the door, they are definitely, we're seeing, we're going to see a blend of that in 2021.
0: Yeah. I think if you all stay quiet, And don't try and take advantage. Like you said, like the moment is now there. The moment is now for so many different things, small businesses, BIPOC owned businesses, social justice changes. So many things that people are paying attention to do not miss this opportunity, right? We've been given this opportunity for visibility to, like you said, to be seen and heard. And I think vice versa, like you said, this customer feeling seen and heard and, and it actually mattering to them, right. Not being just one of the many, um, the trend that I see actually happening and, and we're seeing it with re- big box retailers and also some of the very successful product business owners that we know is the shift away from those massive discount sales. So for example, there was such a holdup in production, right? There was, it was, um, I'd never seen certain big box stores run out of product before where they sell out and you can't get more of it. And part of it was the production holdup, right? There were bottlenecks in production, things being imported, all the things that have kind of happened over the last year that we started seeing um, goods go away. So because of that, they saw that scarcity mattered more and that people bought. And so you're not seeing those huge blowout sales that maybe we were used to. Um, here in the States, we have Macy's and Macy's always does these like gigantic sales. But I do see big boxes moving this way. And I we've also told a lot of our product-based business owners not to do sales because they were selling so well that it was more, It's we're gonna lean more into the promotion. So really highlighting products, promotions, launching new product lines, building scarcity around them, making it special versus having to run sales all the time to offer the discount to get customers in. So I think going back to the beginning of our conversation, if we're talking about value based, if we're talking about small business, if we're talking about limited quantities, if we're talking about handmade or special items, um, we could sell all of that through a promotion versus needing to offer some massive discount to be able to get the orders in.
2: And I love that it means that smaller businesses can definitely be more on a, on an even playing field, because if you are making everything yourself, or you, I think a lot of small businesses are thinking much more sustainably and ethically than perhaps the big guys sometimes. And if you're taking all those things into account, your product might be at a premium p- price point in comparison to a mass produced equal. So it is I think maybe the customers are price sensitive, but they're willing to pay more for the right product now, which I think is really interesting. That, you know, yes, we want a bargain. I mean, we're always going to want a bargain sometimes, but if we do have if someone a business has done a good job of communicating their values and promoting themselves, like you were saying, Jacqueline, then people will still buy because even if you're pricier.
0: Do you have um, Peloton over where you are? We do. Okay. So that's a big thing that I remember prior to the pandemic, $2,500 or whatever it works out to in pounds or the Canadian dollar, but um, it was expensive and it was a luxury item. I remember everybody saying when I make it, I'm going to buy myself a Peloton. It was like this luxury item What's crazy is over the pandemic, when people really found value, it was value-based. They couldn't go to gyms. They they needed to invest back into themselves. Peloton didn't offer a sale during the pandemic. Rather, it had three to five-month wait times. Mm -hmm. And- I know so many more people now. Even my sister, which I actually had no idea that she was going to go buy it because she she's not she doesn't make a ton of money or she would consider herself um that she could splurge on a Peloton, but it was something that was very important to her and she was willing to wait for it and pay a premium for it and the subscription. So I think it's a really good example of um what do people need and if it's value based and you show up for them and you offer a good product and your customer customer service um that's a that's a big part of what you do. That's where we're seeing the shift now, I think, in the values for people.
2: Yeah, and I think we need, we want even more of an experience when we shop now, whether that is in person or online. I don't know if in America it's also, I think subscription boxes have become more and more popular for a long time, but even more so over the last year. And they're not generally, you could probably find something cheaper if you went and looked for it. But it's not about that. It's about, you know, supporting one business and getting a bit of a surprise every week, uh, every month.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I love that. Subscription boxes are all the rage over here too. (laughs) I feel like they've been for a while too. Um, So I think that this was, we could literally talk to you all day. It's been such a good conversation, but I think we should wrap up with maybe a tip for everybody on one last tip that we could give all of our product bosses out there around the world. Um, Therese, do you want to start? Yeah, I'm thinking. (laughs) 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 she's like put me on the spot Mina (laughs) yeah Yeah. I I have to think about mine as well (laughs) or maybe your favorite tip that we we spoke about today or something
2: I was thinking about that I think that if everyone that is listening I think there's one thing that I would love and I think Jacqueline you were saying too if you'd only take one thing away from our conversation that you know I'm moment is now and own the fact that you are a business owner and you know it's now to make it we have this short period relatively I suppose where all eyes are on small business so make the most out of it tell all your friends tell all your colleagues tell everyone that will listen because they are potential customers so why wouldn't you and um, tell them that you're a business owner. I think it's something to be really proud of. I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: For me, I would say confidence. So if you listen to our podcast, we often talk about me and I have, we don't share a single personality um, on the Myers-Briggs personality test. We don't share a single letter. Um, so, and we always say we make up one whole because we're so different in our approaches to things and things like that. But, um, I'll say I wasn't always confident. It was learned. It was confidence in my knowledge and reinforcement that, Oh, I I do know what I'm talking about. I, I, it's just, it comes with, I think age and it comes with the longer you're in business and a little bit of fake it till you make it. Right. So a little bit of that, like, okay, I know enough. I'm a step ahead or I'm just a couple steps ahead. So I think for all of you, I'd love for you, as we're talking about really you know, this is your moment, I think it's confidence, showing up with confidence, starting to surround your pe- yourself with people that get it. And that's why I think both of us have created podcasts for product-based business owners. We have courses, we have communities. It's because once you find your people, you'll, one, you'll realize you're not alone in the thoughts you're having, in the decisions you have to make. And you'll also realize you're not alone in the beautiful wins that you're having and the approaches to stores or or um, selling to customers. So I think that confidence, and I want to also just add, because I said about confidence, I show up a lot on video and Mina, my friend who was raised not to speak, not to be seen and not to be heard, is now a podcaster of a major podcast and shows up on video all the time and makes reels on Instagram. So it's learned, right? You have to just keep doing it and you have to practice. And then more you do it, you'll build confidence. And I think once you all find something to keep repeating, then you'll see it pay off over and over and over in anything that you need to do for your business.
1: Yeah. I love that. Um, I think my big takeaway from this podcast, as well as all of 2020 and in my whole life, (laughs) boiling it down to this very moment right now, is that um, it's not one or the other. You know, you have one life to live. You can either decide if it's, I can sell or be lovely, or you can say, I sell and be lovely. You can also be confident and quiet. You can be, um, you know, so many things, right? You don't have to be anything, right? But you get to decide, right? And so you hold the power. So you hold the power and the ability to change other people's lives. So you get to decide this in the one life that you get to live who you spend it with. I think that was something that was startling and shocking that came out of 2020 was that oh my gosh, my life, what is it now? You know? And and then now we get to choose again and how beautiful is that, you know? And we get to choose who we spend it with like what Jacqueline is saying, what we get to do with it, how many people we approach, how bold we are. Confidence is not a light switch. But it's something that makes you feel joyful and impactful. And you get to also live the life that you want to live. You know, that's surely what confidence is. So for me, even though I'm showing up on video, is it still hard? Sure, it is. But it doesn't matter if it's hard or not. I'm still doing it anyway. So I think that, I think that's one thing that I've learned from 2020 is that it's not one or the other. It's not. You know, that I have to stay at home, but I have to take care of my kids. They they go to school on virtual school and they're learning and chilling in the house with me, you know, and I'm working and still in the house, you know. So it's not picking or or choosing. It's definitely like you get to do what you want to do with your life. And showing up and working towards that confidence is something that is like Jacqueline said, learn, but it's a process, right? Just like living everyday life. It's like Every single day you work at it and you get to choose that. So um that would be, I think, the thing that really came out of 2020 for me.
2: I love that. I think that's so good. <laughs> the confidence <laughs> thing. Because I, yeah. I recently did a reel where I was dancing on on. I never thought I would be dancing on the internet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love
0: it. I'm looking for that. (laughs) (laughs) I did one too where I was dancing
2: and I was like, who am I and what have I turned into? (laughs) And I would have never had the confidence to do that before. I mean, like even a few months ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's we're doing amazing. what
0: it takes, right, to grow our businesses. So, all right. So um, I'll let you all know how to listen to our podcast and how to connect with us. And then, Teresa, if you want to let everyone know as well. So for those of you that are new to us, we are the Product Boss Podcast. If you're listening, just head on over and subscribe to the Product Boss Podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, that's where we're at. We also invite you to take the Shop 1 in 5 pledge with us because it's great for you. Like we said, we're all consumers. And also, as small business owners, it's great to share this information with your uh, customers. So if you head over to Instagram, it's shop, the number one in five, the number five, um, shop one in five, follow us. We post a lot of things on there for you to to reshare with your community. And it's a global movement. And let's ask our, our consumers, our friends and family to try and make one in five of their purchases from a small business online or offline. So this is lovely. Yeah, I
2: love that. I'm going to, oh, I already followed, but I'm going to go and, and do it sign up and share about it too so those of you who are new to let's talk shop i let's talk shop is on pretty much every normal platform uh, podcast platform out there as well and you can come and follow me over on instagram i share a lot of tips and dancing now uh over on instagram i'm small Uh, it's long i'm small underscore business underscore collaborative just to make it extra tricky. And um, I do share quite a lot of tips over on my blog as well, which is just smallbusinesscollaborative.co.uk. And yeah, yeah, it's been wonderful to speak to both of you. I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, you never know where conversations are going to go. And I really enjoy that it's been this open conversation about things that not everyone are comfortable talking about. So really enjoyed that. Agreed. And
0: we'll put it all in the show notes for everyone to find. And I just want to add on that we've been trying to get on each other's podcasts for I feel like a year almost, and so the beautiful thing, and exactly what we've talked about in this conversation, is what's come out of 2020 is sitting down and having these authentic conversations and connecting with people across the world. So um, I've so enjoyed this. I know Mina has too, and we want to invite all of you to continue to explore your own communities and and have these conversations as well. So thanks, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks everybody.
1: One last thing before we go, we created this podcast as a reminder that you are not alone in this. Growing a product biz is hard and we want to help you through it. So thank you so much for listening and we truly appreciate it.
0: We do. We read every single one of these and we want to just give a shout out to all of you that have left us a review. Thank you. So we want to share this one, including one from Fairy Tail Knits. It says, love, 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 so much helpful information. And she says, I actually found Jacqueline and Mina through their course, multi stream Machine, which is so helpful. When I was trying to decide if I should buy it, I listened to a few episodes and loved how much of their personalities came through all while giving great help. I've searched and searched and listened to a lot of podcasts, and this is one of my favorites because they focus on product-based businesses and so much of the other ones out there are for service-based. They, through their podcasts and classes, help my business so much. Thank you so much, Jacqueline and Nina. Thank you, Dawn from Fairytale Knits. This means so much to us.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. That was such a great podcast review, and we love having you in our community.
0: This episode is brought to you by the shop one in five pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey friends, Mina and I created the shop one in five pledge and we're inviting you to take the pledge with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most, because the truth is your purchasing power matters now more than ever. We're inviting you to take the pledge. If you head to shop one in 5com the link is in the show notes. And when you get there, please make sure to share the pledge with your friends, your family and your customers. Let's invite everyone to take the shop one in five pledge so that we can all use our purchasing power to change lives.